Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 EdTech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. This week, I picked a few pieces posted to eSchool that reflect one of my more recent realizations when it comes to using tech in schools. It's not really all about the kids, and you can't see the air quotes that I'm, I'm making when I say that. In fact, the best application of tech whether through digital platforms or data sets, is really in the assistance of teachers. Let's get started, and I hope you'll see what I mean. First off this week, Dr. Delana Darsow, she's the product champion at Sourcewell Technology, writes that platforms that both track the delivery of SEL interventions and bringing them together with other data into one whole child view can add a measure of simplicity to educators' lives. The piece is called Using Data Insight Platforms to Improve SEL Strategies, and you can find it on the top stories feed at the homepage at eschoolnews.com. Here's an excerpt. According to a report from Titan Partners and the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, that's our EdTech acronym of the week, CASEL, district spending on SEL programming between 2019 and 2021 academic years grew from $530 million to $765 million. SEL also received a $160 million funding boost in the uh, Fiscal Year Consolidated Appropriations Act uh, with the feds earlier this year. So educators are investing in SEL on an individual level, too. Based on data from DonorsChoose, reports indicate that donation requests for supplies that help students develop SEL skills and improve mental health have almost doubled since 2020. And I'm sure we guess we all know why, right? <laughs> it's the pandemic. But it's also other, other social and emotional functions in society that have really kind of made this topic first and foremost when it comes into the minds of educators. So she goes on, when educators and students examine student SEL data together, it helps strengthen their relationships while continuing to build skills, including collaboration, self-efficiency, and goal setting. School leaders, teachers, and SEL materials and data themselves may have blind spots. Therefore, including students and their families, as well as community-based organization leaders in selection of SEL programming, may help diminish those blind spots. And finally, she goes on, she has a couple questions that you should ask when you're investing in a data insights vendor. Number one, is the system flexible enough to handle a variety of data sources? Number two, Are we going to be treated like transactions or partners in the relationship? Number three, are the people who work for the vendor experts in their field who can guide us through the process? Number four, will the implementation include remote or in-person training and materials? And finally, how much of our own human resource capital will we need to support the system once it's up and running? Really great questions to ask. A lot of great insight in the piece. I really highly recommend you checking it out. Next, Lisa O'Mastis, she's the president of Learning A to Z, writes a piece called Five Tips to Help Students Master Foundational Skills. She writes that after the pandemic, many teachers, schools, and districts want to reassess their foundational skills instructions. She gives five five tips. I'm going to tease you with three here. Number one, Consider a new curriculum. 
Certain red flags, she writes, signal that it's time for a new foundational skills curriculum to support students. She has a couple examples under that new curriculum idea. Here are a couple. One letter a week alphabet instruction. Children with low alphabet knowledge benefit from faster alphabet introductions because it allows more time for repeated exposure and more opportunities to practice and reteach letters as needed. Another example, phonetic awareness neglect. Reading success depends on phonemic awareness, she writes, including isolating, segmenting, and blending phonemes. Children as young as preschool can and should engage in these awareness activities. Another tip, prioritize quality over quantity. She writes, suggestions vary widely on how much time teachers should dedicate to building foundational skills. However, most researchers advise that in the early grades, instructors spend between 45 to 60 minutes each day teaching those skills. This is either via independent self-paced or group learning. Quality of that instruction is key. Instructional time may vary based on student needs, but teachers don't have to spend all day on foundational skills to effectively help their students, especially when they include time for practice. And then here's one more. Use instructional routines that work. As teachers adjust their foundational skills instruction, they may wonder how to gauge the effectiveness of these new routines. Educators should evaluate instructional routines based on the skill. For example, when assessing an instructional routine for blending phonemes, a teacher would determine if students were blending with more proficiency and then introduce words with more sounds. Lisa goes on to give a number of other tips on these foundational skills. Be sure to go up online and check it out. And finally, School districts nationwide are facing unprecedented teacher shortages with thousands of classrooms unstaffed. With no end in sight to this crisis, Stride Learning Solutions has been working with districts across the country to fill instructional gaps, utilizing non-traditional teaching and learning models. I had the pleasure to speak with Rick Perkins. He's the Vice President of Innovative Instructional Models at Stride Learning Solutions. And Laura Spezio, she's a National Account Executive at Stride. Uh, and it was a recent webinar we called Teacher Shortages, Viable Solutions to Meet Immediate Needs. Here's a snippet. That's one of the things I remember before the pandemic and, and talking about these sort of technology solutions. The focus was usually on rural areas, right? So I mean, it was there, that district out in Iowa who couldn't find a French teacher, but were right. able to set up a remote setup where you had someone from France teaching French in, in Iowa, right? That was the idea. Now with, with the pandemic and everyone being at home for those first few weeks and months, do you see specific areas in the country where, you know, there are greater challenges or, you know, content or, or, or great areas? I mean, is it something now that is as important in a, an urban area as it is in a rural area? Rick, I'll, I'll I think throw that one at you first. I think it's significantly widespread, Kevin. We're engaging with school districts from across the country in all in all time zones and in all sizes. We're seeing some some examples in larger school districts. Obviously, there there is a greater student base, and so there is a larger a larger number of teacher openings that we're hoping to help them fill. But I think everybody is experiencing this to to some degree. You know, larger school districts perhaps in larger numbers, but that. The, the one Spanish teacher that you can't find in that school district in Iowa imp impacts an entire class of high school kids that want to take a foreign language and need that foreign language to be able to go to college. And so it would be difficult for me to say 
to a parent of that student in Iowa, well, just because it's one Spanish teacher, it's not as important as the, you know, several hundred openings we have in a, right in a larger school district. Everything is local and everything becomes personal. And what we really want to do is we want to help schools and school districts put the best possible educational experience in front of their student, regardless of what the situation is. We're really seeing it across all subjects as well. I think schools and school districts are prioritizing, making sure that there is a physical teacher at the elementary school level because they're because of just the inherent challenges of working with six and seven year olds. We want them in a building and we can leverage technology maybe more effectively the, the older the student gets, but we're seeing it across subject and, and really across the country. Yeah. And again, Laura, same. Yeah, same I idea. think most of the conversations tend to be around the core content areas not because it's strictly to the core content areas, but because they can eliminate elective courses. So if you can't find that one business marketing teacher at your district, that's no longer an option for your students. Not saying that that's not more of a need than the other core courses, but it ends up being, what are the districts being tested on? Uh, Where's the state assessment data going to? And then what at the minimum do the students have to have to be successful? I mean, Quite literally, I was on a call with a district in the United States that said, I'm worried some of my high schoolers may not experience a science course in their nine through 12 grades. I mean, if that's that's not sobering, I don't know what is, but that's what it's getting towards. And then, so now they're changing uh, who can be in the classroom and these schools are finding willing people who will love these kids and go in and fill the person in the room role, but they don't have the instructional uh, knowledge or even the content knowledge to then to share information, ensure students are learning. That's now the next level. And again, you can go up online to eschoolnews.com and go under the webinar tab to hear the full story under the title, Teacher Shortages, Viable Solutions to Meet Immediate Needs. So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the K-12 ed tech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.